So recently, Jay-Z um, has been making the rounds for sure. Uh, Van Jones has a new show on CNN, and the first host that he had was Jay-Z, which uh, aired this weekend. And I watched it, and I watched another interview with Jay-Z. Um, and there was a lot of questions, and, and, and I'll kind of break that down at a later point. But <clears throat> one of the main things that he hit on, um, and actually this is something that he hit on in the previous interview, was uh, he's been to therapy. He's been to therapy and, you know, in the black community, there's a stigma with going to see a psychiatrist or a shrink as a, as a lot of people call it. That is, um, you know, it, it's just a little bit absurd, especially with all the pain uh, and trauma that people of color deal with. So one of the things that he articulated is that growing up when he was younger, you know, there would be so many fights and even people lose their life over something like what you looking at, what you looking at. You know, and as absurd as it sounds for certain people, essentially what he stated is that those people were hurt. I mean, I've been broken by life. You know, I have both my parents still in my life. They've they've been uh, amazing examples of what it is to be people for me. And I've been broken, you know, um, just imagine dealing with some some other issues. Right. Um, so basically, like. <laughs> Life has broken these individuals down. Life and society um, as a whole has broken these people down. And in certain environments to be to be seen as emotional or, or to be seen as going through something painful or sensitive is to be weak. So what people would do is, you know, like if you looked at somebody the wrong way and they said, what you looking at? They're really not saying, what are you looking at? They're really saying, you can't see my pain. You can't see my pain. Don't act like you can see my pain. And they would be willing to fight and even lose their, lose their lives over the perception of strength. Um, and it was just a very powerful moment for me. But uh, one of the things that kind of really struck me is is the nuanced uh, is the nuanced way in which we can we can at least accept that certain things in America aren't right. Certain things in America um, don't happen the way they should be. But sometimes we don't have the understanding or the knowledge base to kind of like break it down, you know? So I'll be honest, I'm sure there's a lot of white people that are like, I know racism is wrong. I know that, um, you know, certain things happen to people of color more predominantly than other people. But why are so many people of color poor? Why are so many people of color uh, living in housing projects or Section 8 or things of that nature? And it, and once again, I'm not even going to get into the argument because I, I understand that there are more white people on welfare than, than, than black people. That's a fact. However, let's just address what I know right now, okay? And I think that um, it's very it's very telling that we just have to kind of look back at history. And I know that I say a lot of times that our our country was founded on slavery, and of course the genocide of Native Americans and you know the stolen land that came from that. But sometimes I myself don't break that down well enough. Like, what does that really mean? Like, that's just kind of a fact that's thrown out. That's just a tidbit that we hear. So in the next segment, I'm gonna break down the history of like what that really means. I'm gonna break down kind of, kind of how America was founded. And and I know we've all paid attention in history, or at least we should have. So um, by breakdown, I simply mean give a refresher, and uh, we'll definitely, um, yeah, we'll definitely get into that as soon as possible. So a lot of times when I speak, I know I make claims that on the, you know, just on the surface might be extremely hard to accept as valid or even consider. And I understand that. Um, so I like to use examples because that's the best way to express ideas as opposed to just telling somebody this is what I know and this is how I know it. And you can look it up. You don't believe me. You're dumb. Right? I don't. 
most of the time people don't receive that. So um, I'm a I'm a science teacher. I'm a high school science teacher as well as a uh, track and field coach and cross country coach. So and when I was in college, I took a class called population biology. And in population biology, um, essentially, you know, it's exactly what the name sounds like. You learn about the populations of ecological systems. And uh, one of the terms that we have in population biology is something called a carrying capacity. So every ecosystem has a carrying capacity. So for instance, if I own, let's say that I own 100 acres of land and that 100 acres of land are surrounded by natural barriers. So like on one side I have, you know, mountains. On the other side there's like a road and there's a river, right? So I have 100 acres of land and for the most part the um, organisms that live in that ecosystem pretty much stay put. Well, what a carrying capacity means is that there's only a finite amount of resources there's only a certain amount of land there's only a certain amount of vegetation there's only a certain amount of water um, there's only a certain amount of space in which those organisms can you know live reproduce uh, you know have babies and pass along their genes right so that carrying capacity speaks to just the amount of organisms that can survive on that um, without them going through a catastrophic loss so, for instance, like if I have that 100 acres of land and let's say I'm talking about deer, like I live in Tennessee, so deer hunting's pretty big. Let's say uh, it can support 20 deer, you know. Um, so year in and year out, there's 21, 18, 19, 22 deer, whatever. And then one year something crazy happens and there's a huge explosion of population and there's like 200 deer. Well, they're going to obviously eat up all the vegetation and then the next year most of the deer will starve, right? Well, that's one way. Um, of controlling the population because not every deer will die, you know, just most of them, and then the population will rebound eventually. Another way is, let's say, on that same 100 acres of land, I come through, and it's, you know, 19 deer, 20 deer, whatever, 15 deer, and then I come through, and I burn all, all of the vegetation. I burn 90% of the vegetation. What's going to happen to those deer? They're obviously going to have to compete for resources. They're obviously going to have to... Um, they're going to become more aggressive. They're going to make sure that their offspring survive to the next generation. And in America, I feel as though that's what has long since happened to people of color. You know, like there's been this artificial carrying capacity enacted on us. Like you will always have certain people of color and certain minority groups ascend to the highest levels of success like you will always have throughout history you will always have some people reach for the stars um you will always have the just like a couple of people in the upper elite class and by a couple i'm being you know i'm just exaggerating the terms but if you look at the overall populations of african americans the overall population of latinos and so on and so forth you'll always have some examples of excellence but i'm talking about the the average person of color like what their life is like and there's some very specific reasons for that so you know like i'll give you specific examples i mean if you look at the homestead act the homestead act was essentially a go a government program in which land was given to people like land was given to farmers and to people willing to move out to the Midwest, but that land was only given to people who were white or of European descent. So if you look at just the generational gaps of wealth that can be enacted, because once again, I can understand how how white white people might even say, well, 
I'm not racist and like I don't want, you know, cops to uh, uh, treat people of color a certain way. But why are so many black people poor? Why are so many black people in Section 8 housing or living in housing projects? Well, it's a very specific reason why, because of artificial carrying capacity enacted by the United States government. So the homestead that was almost exclusively given to white people or people of European descent, even though the qualifications for the people of color were 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 equal. You can also look at something called redlining. Redlining is a practice that we can still see the remnants of today but essentially uh um people of color were not allowed to acquire loans for to like purchase homes so i know me myself i'm in a home right now and we had like 10 percent to put down there's no way that if i had to put down a hundred percent um i'd still be in an apartment today And, and just to finish up on that point, you know, so redlining was a practice enacted <laughs> in which banks literally would not loan to people of color. So so if you think about the generational wealth that has been lost simply due to the lack of home ownership, not because um, people of color weren't working hard or they didn't have the means to have a home, but simply because of structural racism, because of institutional racism. And even if you had good people working in those banks or those loan offices, they were not going to go against the system because if, because if that happened, then they would be out of a job. You even had instances where uh, if the people if the people of color did have hundred percent of the money to purchase the home outright because like some people work their whole lives or or like their daddies work to pass on some money so that their kids could have something they work their whole lives to save up what would happen at times is that realtors would not allow black families to buy a home in a white neighborhood and if they did buy a home in a white neighborhood the property value of all the homes around them that would automatically go down only because because of the one fact that there is a person with darker skin living in one of those homes. This isn't this isn't my opinion. This isn't how I feel. These are facts that you can look up on the Internet. Use whatever search engine you you uh, you wish. But it is out there. Type in redlining the history of redlining um, and it will detail out how how black and brown families were systematically disenfranchised from the American dream of being able to own a home and to be able to pass along that to their kids, to their daughters, to their sons. So the reason why I bring this up is because once again, whenever you look at a statement that Jay-Z made, if you don't understand the history of it, you might look at those kids and like, man, you are in pain, but what did your parents not do right? Because I know that my parents love me. My parents weren't perfect, but I wasn't in this situation. But if you start to look at the history, if you look at the whys behind it, and if you understand that um, once, like I'm going I'm to continue to go back to this term just because it's so effective. If you understand that for people of color that there has been artificial carrying capacity enacted on us by our own government um, since essentially the Emancipation Proclamation, then you can kind of start to peel back the layers. And that's all I want to do is just start dialogue. Like I'm not blaming anybody. I don't want to point any fingers, but it's almost impossible for us to to come to the table with solutions if we don't truly understand the problem, if we truly think that the problem is about how you behave or the influences that you have or your mom or dad, <laughs> you know, just being good influence. And, and I'll leave you with this just because um, Jay-Z also spoke to spoke to Trump's, um, you know, shithole.
comments and, uh, and uh, things of that nature. And then Van Jones and like he addressed that. But Van Jones asked him another question. He said, well, under Trump, um, black unemployment has been the lowest that has been. So should we in strange way offer him thanks and jay-z was like absolutely not well number one it's a fallacy because um black employment started to drop under barack obama has been on a steady downward trend and you know we know that economies don't turn around so it's a direct impact of obama's legacy but anyway um jay-z said no he said you can't pay people well and treat them subhuman like you have to treat a person like a person and that's the and that's what we have to understand like it doesn't matter how how we go through life if we can't see each other as people if i can't look at you whether i agree disagree or or can't stand the team that you like i can't stand the patriots i can't stand cheering for the patriots i can't stand people cheering for the patriots is, is, is what i should say but if i look at somebody and be like because you like the patriots then you're not a person like that <laughs> that's the issue you know what i'm saying so like we have to be able to have these uncomfortable conversations but at the end of the day, we have to be able to come to a table and say, no matter how you feel about this, you are still a person and I'm a st and, I, and, and I'm still a person. But what I'm unwilling to do is say just because you're cordial about an issue that is not life threatening to people or, that look like me, that is not a life altering event. And that's what I think that we're missing. Yes, we have to be cordial. Yes, we have to be able to deal with each other person to person. But we can't have this hubris of us thinking that as long as I can have a calm conversation with another person that doesn't look like me, I can go home and rest my head on the pillow easy at night. No, that's not true either. We got to be able to do something.